Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, the semi-week, no semi Occasional podcast where we talk about a new track and this week we're talking about strange new worlds. I am Captain Sabriel Maston, and as always, I'm joined by my chief engineer, Ken. Hi, Sabriel. It's so exciting to be back so soon after recording our last episode. Yeah, a little surprise here. Uh, Ken Gagney, I should say the whole name, not just your first name. Uh, but yeah, we uh, got a little surprise of a secret little episode. It snuck in there and it kind of worked out with our schedules so we can record a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah, I was not at San Diego Comic-Con, but apparently so weren't a lot of other actors and writers due to the strike, and Paramount decided we need something to talk about, so they released an episode five days early, and they just bumped everything else in the Strange New Worlds schedule up, and we also got a release date for the next season of Lower Decks beginning September 7th. Yeah, awesome stuff. I think this was kind of a known, uh, this was planned, uh, even without the strike, but um. We also got a preview for Discovery. Uh, they showed um, preview. They showed like uh, five minutes of an episode. Um, honestly, I can tell you it's not a spoiler. Like the captain does some heroics in space. There you go. <laughs> I had no idea that there was five minutes of Discovery out there. Uh-huh. I have not seen this. I have not seen news about this. I might go watch it because you uh, said it's not a spoiler. It's four minutes of an episode with no context. Just um, um, Captain Burnham uh, doing some heroics as they trying to stop a ship in space. We don't see we don't see who they're chasing, why they're stopping them. Uh, someone's trying to save her. Cool. Uh, so I, I as long as you know it, Star Trek is a show. <laughs> it is not a spoiler. It's kind of like Strange New Worlds when they showed that preview that had. Uh, Erica Ortega's putting on the hat and walking down the hall and finding out she wasn't going to pilot the shuttle. Yeah. Like, I watched that, and that wasn't a spoiler. Not at all. Not at all. Cool. Uh, but today, we are here to talk about two episodes. Lost in Translation has nothing to do with Bill Murray. And uh, these those old scientists, and I just realized I completely forgot to do the intro I was going to do. That was going to weird you out, but I don't need to do it. I'll tell you about it after the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about Lost in Translation. Yes, the lesser of the two episodes. The lesser, wow. Coming out with a hot take right away. Am I wrong? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is the one where Uhura has hallucinations, where she... This very much felt like the sixth sense to me. Yeah? Like, she saw dead people, and they weren't trying to hurt her or scare her. They were actually asking for her help. And once she realized that, and she helped them, everything got better. Uh, Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you expect spoilers. <laughs> I meant about uh, I see dead people. Uh, we got the return oh, of Hammer. Come on, that's such an old movie. Hey, the spoilers thing is like three days. I think move for a movie two weeks, and then beyond that, it's on you who not watching. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, the return of Hammer. Yeah, the actor came back, both normal and zombified. Didn't have any dialogue, but it was nice to see the he actor did too. He did. Yes, and the recordings. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. I both times I watched this episode, I cried. I love Hammer so much, and this is such a tearful moment for Uhura and meaningful moment. Like I lost it both times, especially when he's like the uh, "Don't touch that." 
<laughs> I laughed and cried both times. It was so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I have videos of my dad. He passed away seven years ago and I don't watch them too often. And they're also not as candid or organic as the video oh. with Hemmer. Like I was basically interviewing him, you know, and I, I was producing a video when I interviewed him. And I, I kind of wish I had more off the cuff stuff. I wish to remember the departed. I mean, some people will say the best memories, are the ones up in your mem- your head, mm-hmm. and you don't want, you don't want to replace those with these fixed moments in time with video, but yeah, seeing Hammer again in that context, I like that. And I could, it's easy to forget that he and Ahura had a special connection. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, uh, I loved, I love seeing him again. It's, the zombie version scared the crap out of me, but but uh, but having him back as a character, like I had heard he was coming back this season, but I didn't know when or in what context or how. And so um, it was so sweet to see him because he was he was a great character. I loved him. Um, I also loved Pelia telling the truth about him. <laughs> like he was my best student. Oh no, actually he was just okay. <laughs> I, I was just saying that because he's dead. dead. <laughs> but look what he became, or look what he did. Uh, it was endearing in her own way. It was sweet. I still found it a sweet moment. Um, it, the humor can be endearing, and I love that. Yeah, it's not it's not important to be the best student because that's just an academic setting. It's all hypothetical. I went back to my high school a year after I graduated, and I had like a maybe a C in English, which I never told my students when I went on to become an English teacher. <laughs> but I. I saw my old English teacher a year after I graduated and she said, Ken, you were the smartest person in my class and also the laziest. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Um, this episode, we also had Bannon's Nebula. This is, did, did you, did I tell you about what this, the importance of the name of this Nebula? Or do you know it? I don't. And you're about to. Yeah. Um, Melissa Navia, her late partner. It was named after him, Brian and Bannon, Brian Bannon. Uh, they named the nebula after him for her. I am not sure. Most That's nebula right. Is Ortegas. I did read that on Twitter that she had lost a partner. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Um, she lost him like just before they started filming season one, I think, oh. or before it came out. One of the two. Um, That's so hard. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, uh, nebula is named after him. That's awesome. In his memory. Uh-huh. Oh, it was sweet. Uh, this is also the first time we've seen Prime Kirk. Yes, I was going to have to get there too. Uh, now that we've seen him for a number of episodes and his longest run of an actual Prime Kirk besides just a telephone call, uh, what do you think of Paul Wesley as Kirk? And like I've said on a previous podcast episode, it's hard to see him as Kirk, but in some ways it's hard to see Ethan Peck as Spock because these are not the Kirk and Spock that we know. I felt like in this episode, Kirk was it was almost like they had too much going on in this episode like i think like the the zombie plot was enough without throwing in kirk and i'm also a little disappointed that kirk is on strange new worlds at all because i feel like since we know what an important character he is in trek lore he sort of overshadows everything else on the show whenever he's around i think so interesting yeah like i like Kirk has his own series. He has the original series. He has TOS. He doesn't need to be on Strange New Worlds. And sure, you could make the same argument about Spock and Ahura. They have TOS. But 
I don't know. I'm just not interested in seeing Kirk at this point in his life. Interesting. And I see, I have no problem seeing um, uh, Ethan Peck as Spock, like instantly. He is Spock to me now. Um, oh, yeah. I, I well, mean, oh, you I, mentioned that along with him. So that's why I brought that up. But. No, I, I said like, you could argue that Spock and Uhura shouldn't be on the show either. Oh, earlier, they, earlier, earlier, you mentioned, because um, you're having trouble seeing Paul Wesley as Kirk. I oh, I, I see what you mean. Uh, well, and, I, I, I think what I meant by seeing Ethan Peck as Spock it, you're right. In general, like he he is spot on. I love him as Spock, and I apologize if I implied otherwise. He's he's great, but sometimes I have the same reaction to his Spock that Boimler and Mariner do, <laughs> which we'll get to. We'll get there. That's interesting. See, I have for me, I have no problem taking Ethan Peck as Spock for Paul Wesley as Kirk. It took me until tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Uh, the first time we saw him in the alternate timeline at the end of season one. I'm just like, okay, this guy's Kirk. You're telling me he is? Okay. Um, and it wasn't until seeing him by the end of the episode, tomorrow, 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 I could see, oh, this guy is Kirk. Or this guy is supposed to be Kirk. And then now, now um, this episode, I love Paul Wesley's Kirk. Yeah? What about um, him? Um, I'm getting there. He, um, To me, he feels like Kirk now. Um, she doesn't look like him. He doesn't do the mannerisms like that, but we don't need that either. I don't want that. He does the Kirk from the original series, not the pop culture Kirk of a womanizer um, that Chris Pine kind of channeled more. Um, we get to see Kirk um, in his younger year, era, of his younger years, before he became the man we know. But he's still pretty wise and smart, and I don't have a problem with him appearing for an episode here and there. Um, it's still not a show about him. We're just getting previews of what's the but but about the man who is to come. Hmm. I don't see him as taking any role or spot away from anyone else. In fact, I thought he was perfect for the spot as an outsider. Um, I, not that I know no one else could have done it, but it just seemed fitting that like, hey, uh, this is a great time to introduce Kirk to Uhura in a bar, just like in the 2009 movie. Um. <laughs> Uh, which it was. It was a total little nod to that. She, she even mentioned, like, don't hit him. I'm not here to be hit on. And he's like, I'm not, but okay. Um, I think he's come into his own and really portrays Kirk, young Kirk, very well. Hmm. He's got mistakes coming up ahead. But um, I don't think this show is even trying to tell us that this is his show. He was just a guest character um, who happened to be here because the Farragut was here. His ship was here. And uh, gave him an opportunity to really get to know Uhura. Uh, so I, I think and his speech on death was amazing I, I was moving I thought that was so good and so Kirk um, so yeah I mean every captain needs that even future captains need to have that that speech you know you don't want to miss the speech <laughs> it's true it's true I, I just feel like really he's really grown into Kirk real quick hmm. and I still don't think it's his show I don't think the show is trying to tell us anything else it was just here's a great opportunity because uh, I don't know, Strange New Worlds is more of a prequel, or is also a prequel to the original series, and we can might as well see a little Kirk development before he becomes mm. becomes the man we know. I was reading an article about the four times Kirk has been on Strange New Worlds, and it went through. You know, first he was on the season one finale, then he was in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and now he's in Lost in Translation. And mm. I was like, okay, article, you just said he's been on the show four times. <laughs> And then they list all three. Oh, so okay. I, th- 
I think I'm they were counting here. No one can see except for you. I'm kind of counting like, yeah. <laughs> I, so I think they got it wrong when they said, yes. oh, here are all four times. One, two, three. <laughs> well, he was twice in tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. He played his alternate universe self and he played prime Unikirk. Maybe that's what they're going for, but mm. I can't say I didn't read the article. Yeah, I think that's, nah, I think they're wrong. That's I think that's, a, that's one of those technically. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Pushing the eye class. Uh, it is true, but whatever. It's not. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say those were two different Kirks. Exactly what I'm going for. Yeah. Ugh, no, whatever. <laughs> uh, did you did you have a reaction when you first heard these noises? What it could be? I'm going to tell you what I did, but I'm curious if you had any thoughts like what's going on here before they told us. I didn't think. Uhura was imagining things. I thought it was a communication that was bypassing the ship's communications going directly to her. Beyond that, I had no idea that it was like a subspace alien living in the nebula. See, they, they've been name dropping the Gorn throughout the s- season. Hmm. And even like in this opening here, they did. And I like, this sounds so alien. That, I mean, is this some kind of Gorn tech? Hmm. And I kept waiting for that. And then when it wasn't, like, okay, cool. It's not. But uh, I kept waiting for that reveal. It's like, oh, it's a Gorn thing. It's a Gorn thing. They keep being dropping the Gorn. It wasn't the Gorn. It wasn't the Gorn. Not this time. <laughs> Maybe next oh, time. One more thing about the Kirk, Kirk thing. Him, Laon meeting him. And the heartbreak she felt seeing him. It was so sad. Yeah, when she just immediately says James, which is not the way you address a superior officer. Uh-huh. And then. Well, actually, I don't know if a superior yet. Isn't he? he? I mean, I he's, he's, he's a commander. Well, he's number, he's, he will be commander of uh, the Farragut, but doesn't oh, mean he is the outranks her. True, true. But it was a more familiar greeting than that you part, might. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I mean, they'd never met in person before. Uh-huh. And, and even was, Pike, Pike was like, do you know each other? And she's like, now is not the time. It was so sweet <laughs> and hurtful. It hurt. <laughs> Oh, and I'm falling. I'm loving her. I love her so much now, like, especially her after tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And yeah. seeing her just grow as like being able to see more of her instead of the stoic person. Uh, it just makes you feel for her even more. And even when Kirk said, Hey, I haven't forgotten about that drink I owe you. And she just kind of kept walking. And I, I feel like she has given up on the idea of romancing Prime Kirk. And I don't know why. Oh, I don't know if it was even on the table. She decides to me just to remind he reminds her of what she had. They're not the same person and she knows it. I don't know that I could show that degree of self-awareness and restraint that she is. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this kind of happened in the TV show Counterpart with J.K. Simmons, which I've talked about a little bit before, mm-hmm. where there are two parallel universes. And his wife dies in one, so she, so he goes to the other universe and marries the other one. You know, like completely different background, different history, not really the same person, but close enough. And I feel like, it, again, I am not Leon. I am not in her situation. I'm not judging her. But if I was in that position, I would be v- kind of like Jordy LaForge when he fell in love with the holodeck version of the abrams and then he tried to fall in love with the real one you know like okay that is not a situation i would ever put myself in but the one leon is in i i I would sorry laon you're right 
I would tr- I would probably try and see if there was anything there. Uh, she's going through some things too. Yes. Um, maybe she's not ready for that. It's true. Again, I'm not judging her. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. she's got she's got stuff that we don't even know she needs to unpack. But yeah, uh-huh. it is it's unfortunate and sad. We had a scene in uh the, the bar with um uh Sam? with with no, I was going to go with uh, Chapel and Spock where they're playing literal 3D chess while they're playing 3D chess about their relationship. Aw. And they're uh-huh. it's a Schrodinger's relationship. Yes. Uh, it just it was a very brief little thing, but um uh, but the bar was actually very important to see. We got the uh, um, Kirk, the Kirks hanging out here. We got um, uh, both brothers here talking about that other uh, thing. Well, Sam Kirk, there we go. Um, having trouble with Kirk or uh, James Kirk's ambition and his place in things. I really like. Well, first of all, which one is the older brother? Do you uh, know? Sam. Sam's the older brother. I think so. Because he was yeah. in the 2009 movie. That's all I'm basing it on. No, I think you're right. I feel like Sam's issues are with Sam. Like, I don't think he did not come across as justified to me in this same episode. Here. But I mean, I was like, same here, but I'm like, I don't have a sibling. So I don't know if maybe there's something more here. But I didn't I, feel like he was right in the right. I mean, unlike Sam, I don't have any younger siblings, but I do have siblings. And I feel like if one of them, like, being the best at what he does made my dad love that brother more than me. I mean, especially take into account these two are adults. Uh-huh. Like, like, yes, if I was a little kid and I was in that situation, I would be pissed at my brother. But as an adult, I was like, clearly my dad is a dick because he loves my brother for being better at being a commander than he loves me for being a Xeno anthropologist or whatever. It's like, it's just, it was just weird. Like, especially to like focus their interpretation of it too. True, but like at the end, where Sam was waiting for James to apologize, James didn't do anything wrong. It was just weird. <laughs> I thought I thought Sam was being very immature and insecure. Uh, you're not the only one I've heard talk about how the his Sam's anger felt contrived, forced. Yeah. Other people think that. Yeah. Hmm. Um. But speaking of the bar, though, we also got a very first meeting of Kirk and Spock. And we got to yeah. see the trio together. Not the trio with Bones. No, not that trio. The trio of Uhura, Kirk, and yes. Spock. The three that were there. Yes. I wasn't trying to imply anything else. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of their first meeting? That was great. It was, I, 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 I tweeted and blue skied out. Um, it was both uh, spoon-fed and subtle at the same time. Because um, it's like, yes. Cool, they're there. So here's our trio. But also, like, it was kind of subtle in the way to me. That's like we've known these characters for over fifty years, and if you are don't know, you don't know. This is basically the first time ever meeting was this episode, and I think that's just kind of cool. Yeah, I read this really neat article that I agree with, which was saying how a lot of non-canon or parallel universe works, like the 2009 film, try really hard to make the first meeting of Kirk and Spock epic. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the 2009 film, Prime Spock says to Kelvin Kirk, your friendship with Spock will define you, you know, and all this other stuff and how they first meet like during the Kobayashi Maru and et cetera. And what this article was saying is that the producers don't need to make 
their relationship epic from the beginning because we as viewers know that it will be epic. Mm -hmm. Like we fill everything in for them. And you know, if, if it's epic from the get go, there's nowhere for it to ramp up to. Uh Totally agree. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way until I read the article, but this is one time that I actually agree with something I read. (laughs) (laughs) The only time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm usually more combative than that <laughs> even if it's something you thought you knew like uh, nope change my mind yeah yeah <laughs> like i didn't i never thought that even when i was right i wasn't oh. um palia we got palia kind of realizing why everyone's kind of having trouble with her on the ship um basically about uhura and una in particular about how uh they just see her as the replacement for hammer yeah and that was kind of sweet, like if, telling Una at the end, like, if you want to pretend it's because I gave you a C, that's okay. <laughs> but, but she knows the real reason. I love Pelia. I wonder if she actually remembered Una from school. Because when you've lived forever, you can't remember everybody you've ever met. Maybe. maybe. I guess I don't. Uh, that would be uh, interesting. A, a take I will never understand since. What won't you understand? Uh, not uh, having thousands of light years oh. lifespan. Yes. Well, I, I mean, can. So far, so good. Maybe <laughs> well, I will in a couple thousand years. Well, I can tell you, having lived the few years that I have, I don't remember all my students. <laughs> like sometimes I'm looking through my LinkedIn connections. I was like, "How do I know you?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I taught you." <laughs> well, see, I mean, that's what she did too. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I remember you. Well, you're the main character of a show. Of course, she remembers you. <laughs> I did like that. Ohora punched Kirk without even realizing it and gave him a pretty good walloping. It looked yeah. like, you know, like, like combative Ohora is not something we get to see a lot of. Mm-hmm. Usually she's like singing or listening to that thing in her ear. In the animated series, she got to lead a security team. Oh, uh, I, n- I never got to see that. And there was an episode where all the men came down to a planet for some reason because space stuff and, um, saw the women were left in charge and she got to lead. She was leader for a bit, captain of the Enterprise. Wow. Good for her. Uh-huh. Let's see. Anything else you want to add to Lost in... I, I, uh, just overall, I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was fun. Who are getting an episode? Um, it was mostly a build- her and Kirk building episode. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought that a lot of different characters got to do a lot of different things. As you mentioned, there was the, you know a brief scene between Spock and Chapel, which I felt like was only there to continue what has started the previous week when they ended with kissing like it would just be weird to just totally ignore that for an entire week so even though it didn't warrant an entire subplot they just acknowledged it which was uh-huh. cute i appreciate pike believing in ohura without question that wow i mean she was hallucinating things the entire episode and pike couldn't know for sure that this wasn't another hallucination and yet he he did what she said. Like he blew up a Starfleet station. And that's as he said at the end of the day, it's his call, and he's going to take the flak for it. But they still don't have anything beyond her hallucination that it worked. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, hope that they were able to gather some evidence after the fact. But wow, uh, he believed her. Uh, believed it, Ensign, and um, it's great. They also gave a woman who was hallucinating a phaser. Earlier, and they're chasing after Ramon. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of times that I would have been like, "No, let's get you back to the 
Like there was one point where she's like, no, I'm going to be fine. You go on without me. And I would have been like, no, you're not. You're coming with me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. But how tragic that she had lost her parents and brother in a shuttle accident. Yeah. Uh, this was brought up like last season. And here we actually kind of get to see her imagination save look of it. And oh, dang. Yeah. The first time that she hallucinated herself in a field with smoke. Like, we had no reason to understand what that was referring to. And then when she goes back there later and she's in the shuttle, we're like, oh, that's what that was. Man, I mean, I don't know. I do remember from last season. I don't remember if it was canon before that. But given that she lost her parents and Spock had two siblings that we don't talk about. And we know Kirk's brother is going to die in TOS. Jeez, I mean... Does everybody need to have a tragic family history? Yes. <laughs> it's called D&D. <laughs> you know, it's really funny you mentioned D&D because I was once interviewing fantasy author R.A. Salvatore. Mm-hmm. At the time, he had just come out with a Star Wars book, Prime, uh, Vector Prime. It was the start of a whole new arc. And so I, I interviewed him for an article I was writing for a newspaper, and we chatted about it for a while, and he said... Uh, do you have any other questions at the end of the interview? He asked me and I said, no, that's everything I need to know about your star Wars book. And he said, well, is there anything you want to know about not my star Wars books? And I was like, yes, <laughs> Mr. Salvatore, I've read every single one of your fantasy novels in the forgotten realms and elsewhere. And I want to know why in every single book, in every single character you create, every single protagonist, you always kill their father. And he, he sat there quietly for like 15 to 20 seconds. And then he looked at me and he said, I didn't realize I was doing that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of a Freudian thing. Maybe I hate my own father. I have no idea. <laughs> I was wow. like, well, maybe you should think about that. <laughs> Every single character starts with a father and very quickly no longer has one. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I got to say about this episode. All right. Well, then, should we talk about those old scientists? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I knew this was coming, but I still didn't know it could be this good. (laughs) They teased it long ago, a year ago. And wow. um, Anson Mount even asked me to... um, Oh, no, no. It was uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes. I think it was. So is this going to be like a... Roger Rabbit type thing? <laughs> no, it's going to be live action. Like, cool. <laughs> I wondered that myself. I think we all did. Like, what is this going to be like? Yeah. Or is it going to be like everybody is animated? <laughs> you know, which in the end they were, but. Uh, yeah. So, oh, this episode was so much fun. I've watched it with two separate people who had never seen Lower Decks before, and they both loved this. In fact, one of them even started watching Lower Decks because of it. It's the first time since the end of Discovery second season that I wanted to go back and immediately rewatch an episode. <laughs> I know That's you awesome. do that every week, but for me, uh-huh. it's a rarity. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they started off fully animated in the Lower Decks universe, and then they go to the live action universe, and then they cut to the intro sequence, and you don't realize immediately, because it starts so subtly, that the intro is animated. Yes, but the window started filling in. I'm like, no. And then it lit up. And I'm like, they did it. I caught it almost immediately. I was not expecting it. And uh-huh. I think this may be, don't quote me, but it may, well, of course you can quote me. It's a podcast. It may be 
my favorite Star Trek opening ever. <laughs> Even more than like in a mirror darkly. That's a close one. And also I just generally really like the prodigy opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that they not only animated it, but they also added the little lower decks teasers, like yep. not only the thing sucking on their nacelle, but also the, the koala bear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which, <laughs> yeah. And koalas are not bears. So yeah. so much so much love given oh to it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, so it starts off with just Boimler, and I was kind of disappointed because I was like, "There are four characters, four protagonists on Lower Decks. I want to see more than just Boimler." And twenty-two minutes in, we, that's what we got. Uh-huh. Mariner joined the party, and oh, that's I, what you meant. Okay. Yeah. Well, I kind of wish all four characters would come over. I mean, this is very clearly since season one been the Boimler Mariner show. Uh-huh. But I really like, is it Rutherford Sam and Tendi? Rutherford and Tendi. Yeah, I really like them. And I would have liked to have seen them live action. I wonder if the actors were like, we wanted to be live action too. <laughs> but yeah. What do you think about tonality? Like some oh people said. The, 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 so, the, the pairing, <laughs> they even call it out here in the episode of like, fast talking lower decks versus slow and quiet uh, <laughs> worlds, like pointing out the differences. Like everyone talks so quiet and slow. <laughs> like it was so good. Um, they bounce off each other so well. Um, the, the entirety of the total, like knocking on the fourth wall, just like lo- lower decks does of, of like Una calling out the, all these specific references. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> We don't want you waking up in some sort of a dystopian San Francisco in the middle of a riot. <laughs> it was so good. Like they were totally themselves as um, I th- watching the ready room for this. I'm like I started thinking about this and they worded it themselves. The crew, the lower decks characters are the biggest Star Trek fans. Uh, like they, they know Star Trek is a show basically. Like they were the biggest Star Trek fans and they got to play those characters in the quote unquote real world as well. It was so much fun seeing Mariner try to touch everything being her and apparently that was also um tawny as well just apparently broke a few things too <laughs> great and they those actors had to go back and re-watch lower decks because they had never had to be conscious before of how their characters move yes uh, jack quaid said he watched so he can figure out the mannerisms like this hip his hip running his excessive hip running the way his hips go back and forth back and forth in the cartoon he practiced that um <laughs> He had to do the ah a couple of times, and the way that the way he runs across the hall, that he practiced all the way that Boimler moves, so he could replicate that here. I don't think I ever noticed the way Boimler moves until I saw it in live action. Like the way he, as you just said, the way he pumps his arms when he runs. I was like, uh-huh. oh, that is something he does. That's not something people do. <laughs> no, but it's cartoon and animated, so he wanted to replicate what his character did in the show, so he did. So one of the reasons I ask about tonality is because Strange New Worlds is very lighthearted, but I would hesitate to call Strange New Worlds a comedy. Lower mm-hmm. Decks is a comedy. Mm-hmm. Do you think it works well to have an episode of Strange New Worlds be a comedy? Well, absolutely. I mean, Star Trek has always had those episodes where it's a comedy. And so it here perfectly, too, to me. It didn't, it didn't feel weird at all to me. How about you? Well, when, when you say Star Trek has always had comedic moments, like... The D Space Nine episode, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, or the DS9 episode where Julian Bashir is James Bond. Or no. or Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy, or um Voyager. Right. Or um 
Uh, There's a whole bunch of Or episodes. every Ferengi episode on D69. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I would call a lot of those episodes lighthearted. I'm not sure I would call them a comedy. Like, this episode was a comedy. So I was telling a partner, like, this is just a two hour or an hour long episode of Lower Decks. Yeah, basically. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at is there was I saw somebody comment online that instead of this being a Strange New Worlds episode, it should have been a Lower Decks episode. Do you think that that even matters? No, I don't think it takes it. No, I don't think it matters at all. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. It doesn't take anything away from Strange New Worlds. Plus, we've got a lot of character development for Strange New Worlds characters uh, in their show. Uh, It took absolutely nothing away. Yep me at all no i agree actually uh i thought this was a great episode i loved the flattery that boimler paid pike like oh you know your your great hair is legendary and i dress as you for halloween and pike was eating it up mm-hmm. like like he knew he was being played but he couldn't help it and you know i just i love that oh even this character has a little bit of an ego <laughs> yeah and there were two moments though that made me cry and I'm forgetting the second one, but the first one was when Mariner and Boimler were in Pike's quarters and they were talking about his birthday. Oh, that was such a good moment. Such a good moment. And Boimler was like, I wonder when you're gone, how many people wished that they could have one more conversation with you. And Pike realized, Oh, I'm being selfish. And even I had never thought of it that way, to be honest. Like, I think about the people who are gone, who I miss, but I never think about people missing me. Uh-huh. You know, and that was a powerful moment. And it clearly had an impact on Pike because he did change his plans. Yeah. I thought it was sweet. A moment. I mean, also them trying to bounce around the, you know, the, th- the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And him going, I know. And then he just completely brushes it off and then tells him his story about his dad. Yeah, as somebody on the internet put it, that's the only time in this episode where the Lower Decks characters were out-futured. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So many great moments, like uh, the Boimler getting on the saddle, and he goes, Riker, when he gets on there. Um, that's right, he did say that. Uh, that's what I mentioned, I joked about earlier. Uh, he apparently improv that entirely right in front of Jonathan Brakes, who directed this episode, and they kept uh, it in. Of course they did. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh, Boimler and Chapel completely breaking her heart on something she suspected already. Broke my heart. There were a couple of things I did not like about this episode, and that was one of them. Really? Because we are, and just like you, although maybe to a lesser degree, I am rooting for Chapel and Spock. Uh-huh. And for Boimler to come along and say, oh, you're not in his future. Or it's important that you not be in his future. Well, that's I not just, how he worded it. I know, but I think that's what she got out of it. Okay. Just make sure you know like, that's, that's not what he said at all. Just, there was no mention of her. Yeah. I don't know. I, books. Well, that means that they decided not to tell anybody. Yeah. That's one way to put it. And maybe things will change in that regard, but they're not going to change the whole relationship. And we knew this was a doomed relationship. And that's what breaks my heart about it is seeing how it's doomed and how they try to work through it. You know, one of the most important things I think Spock does in his lifetime is the unification of Vulcan and Romulus into Navarre. Uh-huh. And at the time of Lower Decks, even that hasn't happened yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not going to happen for a long time after this. Yeah. So 
the lower decks characters know that Spock is important, but they don't even fully comprehend themselves just how important he is. So I thought uh-huh. that was interesting. Uh, I mean, he's just a major character. I mean, plus they've also seen every episode of Star Trek. So they know well, in that regard. Well, you know, it's funny that they would say like, oh, Captain Pike's birthday is a holiday. And prior to Strange New Worlds, Pike was a footnote. You know, what What makes plus, well, right. But like, I think it's funny that what makes these characters important is the fact that there are shows about them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, there are tons of other Starfleet crew doing potentially far more important things that they'll never mention in Starfleet. No other captain will have a birthday, no matter how important he is, because he doesn't have his own TV show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that's meta, but. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of there was a documentary I saw about 20 years ago about these three kids who competed in the annual science fair, uh, high school science fair. And when we, I, I showed the documentary to my students because they were about to enter that same science fair. And I said to the students, how do you think it is that the documentary crew just happened to pick the three kids that came in first, second and third place? And the kids, my students realized, oh, they must have filmed like 20 different students throughout their journey. And they only showed us the three who won. <laughs> so there are 17 people who got filmed and never got any airtime because that's not part of the narrative they wanted to tell ultimately. So yeah, there are captains out there doing important stuff and they just don't get filmed. Yeah. Um, uh, the other moment that made me cry uh-huh. when number one said, they put that on the poster? Yes, it was so beautiful. Because we had just, a month ago, seen her on trial to stay a Starfleet officer and almost not make it. And her motto for why she joined Starfleet in the first place became the motto for why others should join Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Like, she went from almost being drummed out of the service just for being who she is to being the literal poster person uh-huh. for Starfleet. Girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I thought that was very meaningful. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah. It was sweet. Um, you know, I, I realized I don't actually... This is an episode where it's like, this is one of those episodes, like, did you catch this? Did you catch this? Did you catch this? But like, even now, it's like, you know, there's just all these sweet moments in between all the, as I call Lower Deck, Star Trek the reference. Um, uh, and it's just full of them, too. But also, um, there's lots of just good moments in here. Like, like, um... um Boimler talking to Pelia. Uh, Boimler coming to terms with not knowing that Spock had a phase where he was exploring his humanity and his smiles and everyone focusing in on his smiles. That was one of the things I didn't like about this episode. Yeah. Spock smiling, which we don't really like. I know in the original cage pilot, he did that a little bit, but even in strange new worlds, he didn't do it to the extent that he did in this episode. And I was wondering if that is because a, he's still recovering from having been fully human or B he is just having a part of himself brought out by his relationship with nurse chapel. I think it's that and C I think that's both a and B and also C uh, playing it up for last for lower decks. Fair, but it was unnerving. Like, and they knew that like, like they purposely zoomed the camera in on his smile. Like they know it's unnerving. And I was as unnerved as Boimler was. And that's, and, and that's what I meant when I said, like, this is hard to see as Spock. 
Yeah. Uh, we get Mariner uh, crushing on and talking all about Uhura and kind of causing her to panic a bit. Well, also crushing on young hot Spock. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's a totally Mariner thing. Uh, <laughs> um, but her being able to help Uhura. Uh, I love the total lower je- do- dex joke of this big deal about this language trying to translate it. And it turns out to be just as this is a time portal in ancient Nausicaan. <laughs> but also Nausicaans? Uh, built a time portal and then they just went on to be bad at Domjot. Well, ancient. Who knows what happened in thousands of years? We were a lot different two thousand years ago. Yeah, but generally we get smarter. <laughs> Nosigans? Maybe going backwards. Apparently. Maybe they got too close to the packlets. Oh god. Domjot. <laughs> we look for things that make us Domjot. <laughs> I love Ortegas and Chapel teasing Boimler about chroniton radiation or jetpacks and smaller jetpacks. <laughs> That whole interaction kind of threw me because I've never seen Chapel as somebody who would antagonize somebody else like that. Really? Uh, she's teasing Spock a lot in the first season. Maybe I have to go but back and watch it. Him. Well, yeah. I mean, that's different. She wasn't flirting with Boyle. Yeah, but she was teasing him too. It's total playful. And she, she, you know, she's the playful type. Absolutely. Watch the first season again. Clearly, I need to. All right, and we also get uh, we got a little bit. I got a kick out of the uh, Enterprise crew geeking out about the NX crew. Yes, you know, I was actually chatting with friend of the show Amanda about that on her Twitch stream last night, and one of the things she really appreciated was that they weren't gushing over Captain Archer or Trip; they were gushing over Travis Mayweather and Hoshi Sato. I had the same reaction. It makes me so happy these these characters that were barely touched on in the in Enterprise. Yeah, when I heard that, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if the actors who played those characters will ever hear this. I wonder if they'll know that they are remembered and loved. I hope so. Like, like Pike talked about Archer, because that makes sense for him to think of Archer as someone. But then seeing the uh, the lower officers uh, gush about the other officers, like, that was great. Yeah, and when is the last time we ever heard the name Hoshisato in Star Trek lore? Probably uh-huh. 2005. Yeah. Uh, so I, it was wonderful seeing them geek out. Uh, Enterprise is one of my favorite Star Treks, especially season three and four. Uh-huh. So that's a hot take. Season four, totally agree. Hard agree. Season three with the whole nine eleven. Well, that's plot. when things turned around. Things turn turn around for me. Four is the big one. Yes, but, but three being the turning point of the show. And um, at the time, I loved it. I mean, it hasn't aged as well. <laughs> I know that, but it still does mean it's uh bad to me. Most Star Trek I have only ever seen once. I mean, TNG, I've probably seen every episode at least twice, but every episode of DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise, just once only, so I have no idea how they aged. I do recall, as our listeners probably do as well, Enterprise premiered like a week after 9-11. Yeah. And two (sighs) years later, season three was very much an episode of its time. Mm -hmm. I doubt season three would have happened if 9-11 hadn't. Or not in the way it did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that whole Zindi thing makes no sense. Let's test bomb. Let's test drive our bomb on the place we're gonna bomb. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely contrived. Berman and Braga needed to get the heck away from Star Trek so fast, but they hung on too long. Um. <laughs> you know what I think? I, th- I think it's our. It's either Amanda or our other friend of the show, Susan, who said the thing they hate about the Zindi testing their weapon on Earth is that we never heard about it in any future Star Trek, talking about that great terrorist attack. Uh-huh. And I don't think that you would. 
Yeah, I can see why it's never been brought up because like, what? And there was no context to why would it just randomly show up in an episode? Um, yeah, like I, also I, I mean, th- there's a lot of tragedies in Earth's history that don't come up in day to day conversation, especially yeah. in Star Trek. Yeah, you know, so, especially like, and they're going to have another 200 years of history to talk about. Uh huh. No, uh, I can see why it's not talked about. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like how often? <laughs> like how often in your daily conversation do you talk about the War of 1812? Yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, for me, I mean, I bring it up a lot. I mean, but right? normal well, people. <laughs> but yeah, I you're totally, right. totally that, with you. Like, I mean, I should have known my audience. That's a bad example. <laughs> you do talk about it all the time. I can't. Anyway. Uh, and how, uh, how um, even the on loves the grapplers. <laughs> I love that. That was hilarious. See, I love grapplers. Why would, why would she love grapplers? It's just old tech. I love old tech, too. Yeah, I love that. That's also twos. just a great little moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, La'an has some great moments, like when she was teaching Spock how to act like a Vulcan. Oh, that was fun. And and Spock asked, "Do I really sound like that?" And all four of them said, "Absolutely." And she and then by herself, she then added, "Yes, totally." Mm-hmm. And in this episode, she had a wonderful moment with uh, Boimler, going over the rules of temporal temporal things or whatever like that, doohickeys, and she was don't get attached. She's like, "I'm not familiar with that." She's speaking from ter- personal experience, and Boimler yes. immediately figures out, like, "Oh, you're a time traveler too, and you've gone through some things." Like he figures it out. Yeah, like Boimler's smarter than he comes off sometimes. <laughs> and this isn't something she's talked about with anybody else on the Strange New Worlds cast. Uh-huh. What also makes her moment with Kirk last season episode so yeah. much more heartbreaking. Yeah, she can't talk to him about it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Boimler did a lot of good for this crew, no matter how much they <laughs> don't see it. Um, uh, I know I, I love their joke, like their comments about how, like, one time where traveler is a problem, too, is a catastrophe or something like yes. that. Yes, <laughs> yep. uh, it was beautiful. Um, uh, we get Tendi gets a moment, I guess, uh, saying her grandmother was on there. Um, I'm just gonna go yeah, the, the whole mistress of the winter constellations, which is a name that the Orion science officer recognized. Oh, she referenced uh, that was a name given to her in like season three or four. She goes oh, by that in Lord. Oh, Earth. I know. Okay. Yeah. Good, oh, good. No, I I recognized it too. Okay. But I find it very interesting that even in the in this era, the Orions know it. Mm-hmm. I want to know what weight it carries. Yeah. Maybe we'll get more in lower decks. Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, Tendi is definitely somebody I want to know more about. This is uh, Devana Tendi's great grandmother, Astria Tendi. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. Uh, I also love that Lower Decks has this great way of, and it's actually sort of Strange New Worlds. This great way of making non-canon stuff canon. Mm-hmm. You know, just like even when Lower Decks first premiered years ago, you and I were talking about on this podcast is this canon because they act so differently from anybody else on Starfleet. How can this be considered canon? And I'm sure the strange new worlds cast now thinks, Oh, in the future, Starfleet is a lot less professional, (laughs) (laughs) but just not, not only that, but just like these small references, like when Boimler is startling, he says, Holy Q. And Mary's like, (laughs) don't say Q. They haven't met him yet. They have this whole Trelane thing going on. (laughs) Like there have been novels written trying to figure out what the correlation is between these two characters. Uh I think one novel said that Trelane was Q's son. Yeah. But some of it said it's like just Trelane is a Q. Right. uh Yeah. I mean, I think that is plausible. And this is the first time in canon that it's 
the theory has been floated. Yeah, I love how these two, like I said, they are the biggest Star Trek fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, any of us could be. Yeah, they are very much our avatars. Like, <laughs> honestly, would any of us have been any different? Like, oh my God, it's Captain Pike. Uh huh. Oh, I love the first person view of Boimler seeing things when he comes into view. Like, like he goes under the bridge for the first time and they just mm. they go to the first person camera. Oh, yeah. Um, they kind of do that. I mean, it was kind of also cartoony in that way, too. I don't know why I just felt felt like that. I was like, this is di- very different. Um, no one we're used to, and we can hit viewpoints from his point of view. Yeah, and how he was advocating for a future with fewer stereotypes. Like, uh-huh. hey, it's not appropriate to assume all Orions are pirates. Yeah, I like that. Or talk about how aliens are still alien in uh, right Strange New Worlds era. Yeah, because you're so familiar with Andorians and the like in the future, but in Strange New Worlds, it's all so new. Mm-hmm. But not all changes are for the best because flipping it open is the best part. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I for, so when to go back to Cerritos. Yeah. I, Ransom comes on and calls Una the hottest officer, first officer in the fleet. I forgot yeah. a real world fact. That they're married. I forgot entirely the first Me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> it wasn't until Amanda mentioned it on Twitch last night oh, that I really? remembered. <laughs> Like, yep, like, oh yeah, they're married. <laughs> yeah, when I first heard that, I found it a little disrespectful to sort of reduce Numera Una mm-hmm. or Numero Una to just a hot chick. And I was like, oh, I guess her husband can say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then the final scene, we get the animated Strange New Worlds crew. That was yeah, so fun. With their what huge eyes. <laughs> My eyes are huge. My arm is doing. <laughs> oh my god! It was so much fun. I didn't. Then, I didn't like the Spock arm thing, but everything else was funny. <laughs> and I get that they were just on this Orion hurricane trip, but. Mm-hmm. But Benga, you just like what is in this? What's <laughs> in these things? <laughs> How much fun must those actors have had? Oh my god! To be the complete cartoon version of themselves. What a fun time! I mean, that may be for some of them the first time they've ever done solely voice acting. Yeah. I would love to see an entire, like, the, you've seen on Twitter and YouTube those animated Voyager clips uh-huh. that somebody just did. Yeah. I would love to see an entire animated Strange New Worlds and not just a fan production, which, by the way, is awesome quality, but an actual, like, official, if they can do this crossover, if they can do a musical episode, they can do an animated episode. Uh-huh. You know, they, they don't even need to have, like, a plot reason for it. It's not like, like, okay, so Boimler made that one reference to, wow, you're all very realistic. But after that, there was no acknowledgement of the fact that, like, oh, I was animated and now I'm real. Look at me. My body uh-huh. is so different. No, I mean, this is just the way we as outsiders perceive them as being animated. Yeah. Oh, speaking of. <laughs> um, um, oh, the quaint, quaint, quaint. Uh, Boimler's actor on Ready Room. <laughs> He's like, by accident, we established that um, Shrax is like eight or ten feet tall <laughs> because their actors are so tall here. Oh, in the real world, they, but basically they they made Shrax or Shax Shrax, yeah, uh, like and all a bunch of the crew members from lower decks in real world would be like ten feet tall. <laughs> That's right. I mean, as I think has been pointed out before, it's very convenient that the actors who play Boimler and Mariner look like Boimler and Mariner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Maybe that's why they didn't have the other two actors on. Could be. Could be. I don't even know what they look like. Huh. Do you? Uh, I've seen them, but I haven't committed them to memory. I just have a crush on Tony Newsom. <laughs> oh, is that who plays Mariner? Uh-huh. Hmm. Huge crush on her. She's taller than me. She's older than me. Not many people are taller than me. Okay, Eugene Cordero could pass as Sam Rutherford. I see that happening. But who... Pl- I forget who plays Devonna Kennedy. Wells. Oh, that's right. Oh, well, she'd have to be painted green. <laughs> she could do it. They could both do it. They could have done it. They could have done all four. But you only got so much space, I suppose. Yeah, I kind of wish Mariner had come across at the beginning because I feel like I, I, I enjoyed her appearance on Strange New World so much, but it was only half the episode. But I see why they did it the way they did, and it works. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Fun so, stuff. Yeah. Anything else about this episode? Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, watching it twice, the second time I laughed so hard. I, for- I missed the first time when they were doing the Heronium from the NX01 part. It just, just made a little d- it just did a ding. <laughs> yeah, like a microwave. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I noticed it the first time, and I was surprised nobody else on the show did. It just this is normal. Yeah, just uh-huh. whatever. <laughs> and I'm sure. Like, did you f- think at first that they were going to actually go to the NXO one? I I didn't think. No, what I did was I please, 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 but uh, I didn't think they were going to. So I wasn't sure how they're going to get around it. Yeah, I guess they kind of already did that in Picard season three. We already saw all the old ships. Yeah, this was a fun episode. And I I like that Strange New Worlds, you know, we were talking about tonality earlier. And Strange New Worlds has serious episodes like that season one where the entire floating city is powered by a child. Uh Like that was dark. But there are enough fun episodes and the characters are fun enough that they were able to do this. Like. We, we know that there's a precedent for shows crossing over with previous eras when D Space Nine did the trials and tribulations with TOS. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a lighthearted episode. But if the Lower Decks characters went to D Space Nine, I would have a much harder time swallowing that union. Oh, you mean the real life version? What do you mean? Well, Lower Decks, they did go to DS9, so. But oh. went real life, actual real life crossover. I, you know what? I already forgot about that. But yes, I'm like, yeah, like if somehow they were able to put like, yes, yes, you you understand me. (laughs) Uh uh Like, I just don't think that tonality. Oh, it's totally different. Totally different. Like they try to do common. I mean, total different mood. I mean, also New Trek is just different than that era. Right. Yeah. And also when they went to Deep Space Nine on Lower Decks, they had it was just Quark and Kira, right? Uh-huh. And and one of those characters was already funny. So they had like 50% funny. But like imagine the Lower Decks crew interacting with Captain Sisko and Gul Dukat. Like that just would not work. No. <laughs> but then again, Picard made even Worf funny. So anything is possible. Right. Worf's honor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, darn it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Though, just like everybody is famous. Ridiculous. Well, yeah, we watched D Space Nine and know that Mariner was stationed at DS9 during part of the war, at least. Yeah. I mean, isn't that where she like did her battle training with Worf or something? 
I don't remember that part, but yeah. Something like that. She was stationed there for a while. That means how old is she? <laughs> well, how much farther in the future is Lower Decks? I don't remember off the top of my head, but... uh. Yeah, me either. But the actors don't... They, they even talk about that. They don't know how old their characters are. <laughs> Great. They're they're timeless. Uh-huh. They're immortal. They're Lanthanite. I mean, Bart Simpson is, what, 30 years later? He's still... Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, same with Family Circus. Uh-huh. You know, Little Billy. Anyway. Actually, there was a comic I read called Sally Forth. Mm-hmm. and it often breaks the fourth wall. Like they just got new neighbors and the neighbors were coming over and they were you know, like invited over to the house for dinner. And they asked the fourths, which is the main family in the, in the comic, how long have you lived here? And the daughter says 40 years. And the mom says, <laughs> no, honey, that's comic time. We've only been here nine years. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. So just stuff like that. But all right, that's all I got. That's all I got. We got a musical episode coming up soon. You know, I was really annoyed when I read a article. It was reviewing this latest episode of Star uh-huh. Trek. And then at the end, it said, by the way, there's a musical episode coming up. And that was the first I'd heard of it. Uh, and I was uh-huh. so annoyed because I would have been like just floored. My jaw would have hit the ground if I just tuned in this week, not knowing anything that it was about. And it was a musical. And I thought that article ruined it. And then I saw it on Mastodon. And then a friend of mine signaled it to me. And now you just mentioned it. And I was like, apparently this fact is unavoidable and I can't well, blame any one person. You know why? Because they started advertising it on every online space I go to. I, I, have, I uh, And so um, even places like I have vibe blockers, have like I'm finding out of like, okay. Like I didn't know about it until I saw the ads show up. Like, oh, okay. I don't have an ad blocker, but I'm not seeing these ads. Interesting. Uh, yeah. It was a former guest of the show, Dana. Uh, who I believe was the floating head of God on our podcast, <laughs> just sent me the poster for the episode. Mm-hmm. And that was another way that it was spoiled for me if it hadn't already been. But ah, don't think it, it didn't spoil nothing. It's going to have a good time. You're going to love it. And oh, I'm sure I will. Uh-huh. But I mean, I've done tons of community theater musicals myself. And to see that in Star Trek and not expect it, like it's kind of like when this lower decks crossover had an animated intro neither you nor i were expecting that and for me that was part of the amazement yeah but you know we've already talked about spider-man and how surprises just get me out of my seat uh-huh uh-huh so anyway uh well i don't know what the next episode is i haven't actually paid attention so i will see that soon yeah we have three episodes left of strange new worlds which means that we have two more episodes of this podcast because we're going to review the next two together and then the finale and sort of a season recap. And then we'll go right into Strange New, uh, not Strange New Worlds, Lower Deck season four, <laughs> right? Five. Four? No, I'm th- Disco Five. Disco yeah. Five, Lower Decks four. Yeah. Cool. Gee, wouldn't it be weird if Lower Decks ran for longer than Discovery does? <laughs> Didn't see that. I coming. mean, it was shorter episodes. True, but still. Probably cheaper to produce. Weird. And I hope that we get to see season two of Prodigy somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, that is it. it I've really enjoyed these episodes. I'm looking forward to more. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about them. Until then. Hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. And keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock. Or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com.
Google Drive open document. 